WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Thursday, November 9th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Clouds this morning, sunshine this afternoon, high 62. Tonight and overnight, partly cloudy. Low 49, and then Friday, clouds most of the day, high 54. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 35 partly cloudy in Suffern up in Rockland County, 42 and partly cloudy in Newark down in New Jersey, and it is 45 and partly cloudy outside our studios. A whole lot to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning last night. The SAG after strike uh, ended essentially. After negotiations for the union approved this preliminary deal, this agreement with the studio, this announcement came down It was about 8.30 last night. The deal marks the end to Hollywood's longest ever actor strike, a stoppage that began back in July over issues ranging from residual payments to the use of AI, artificial intelligence. Now, one of the reporters who's been kind of getting the scoop on this whole back and forth between management and the actors works for the website Deadline. And here was his thought on the whole process. This is not only going to be a very important deal for sag Afro and its 160,000 members of over a three-year contract, this is potentially going to be a generation changer for the way things are done in Hollywood. When you take what the WGA got back in September and now what SAG got, they've transformed the landscape. So studios had recently warned that the union, that the deadline was quickly approaching to salvage at least part of the current production season. They've lost so much, obviously. The approval by the union's committee, just a key breakthrough in all this. But the full sag after membership, they still have to vote on this deal. Uh, the details of it probably are not going to come out till Friday, so we don't know a whole lot about it just yet. We don't know all the details yet. We're going to know that on Friday when the board votes on it. But right now, I can tell you, all we're hearing is happy, happy sounds and champagne corks popping all over Hollywood. Yes, so many people affected by the strike, not just the actors who've been out of work, but all the businesses that surround it. SAG after President Fran Drescher posting a congratulatory message to members on all the social media platforms shortly after the news of the deal broke. She wrote, new ground was broken, uh, and she says, uh, this is a great moment. Again, not a whole lot of details. Last night was the premiere for the movie Wish out in Hollywood. And so uh, the actors aren't showing up to this thing, but um, the producers and the um, directors are. And they were weighing in on this agreement. Everybody all around seems to be happy that it's over. For the greater community, for all of the industry, I, um, I'm really happy that we're here. I know everyone worked really hard to get here. So contract negotiations covered a number of difficult evolving issues. Those residual payments for actors on TV, for example, had shrunk in recent recent years with the rising popularity of streaming services. Now they've apparently figured that out. And people are really uh, high-fiving Fran Drescher, even though the strike lasted incredibly long. It started back on July 14th, and here we are at uh, November 9th, and things won't start up, I'm sure, for another week or two. Um, but everybody seems to be happy about what took place. We want both sides to be happy with the, with the resolution, and it sounds like tonight they took a step forward, so we're, we're uh, optimistic. Yeah, again, we'll 
get more details of the terms of these deals probably come Friday morning. Last night was the third debate, third debate of the GOP presidential hopefuls uh, minus uh, Donald Trump. Uh, weighing in on a whole bunch of different topics. Let's see. Here they were talking about the Israeli-Hamas war, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. I'm sick of hearing other people blame Israel just for defending itself. We will stand with Israel in word and in deed, in public and in private. This debate taking place NBC in Miami last night. Entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy says uh, anti-Semitism on college campuses after this war is bad. Anti-Semitism is a symptom of a deeper cancer in a country and a society that is lost. And we are lost. One of the topics that continues to be big on these debate stages is TikTok, which uh, I have to admit I watch a lot of and find very entertaining. But they want to take it away from us. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie says the app is spyware that's polluting the minds of Americans just like me. Now, when you saw what happened in the last few weeks with all of this anti-Semitic, horrible stuff, that their algorithms were pushing out at a gargantuan rate. What's wrong with the, the governor's microphone? Maybe it's something with the way that sound was recorded. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis supports a ban, says he's concerned about the data China is collecting on Americans through the app. These kids get these devices and they have a mind of their own. And I know a lot of parents are looking at it. It's hard to even keep it out. China's obviously the, the most extreme, but this is happening with other things. Okay, so we always wait for a moment at these debates and uh, really wasn't much of one except for this one a visibly enraged nikki haley i guess that could be semi-entertaining she called uh, ramaswamy scum during a heated exchange when they were talking about tiktok uh, ramaswamy mentioned nikki haley's daughter as uh he, they were debating this whole tiktok thing and well she didn't like that too much i want to laugh at why nikki haley didn't answer your question which was about looking at families in the eye in the last debate, she made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your voice. Your adult daughter. The next generation of Americans are using it. And that's actually the point. You have her supporters crapping her up. That's fine. You're just the easy scum. answer. There you go. You got your just scum moment. All right. Is there anything else? Let's do one more. Uh, Florida Governor uh, Ron DeSantis going after Trump uh, for skipping the event. Where we are now, it's a lot different than we were in 2016. And Donald Trump's a lot different guy than he was in 2016. He owes it to you to be on this stage. He should explain why he didn't have Mexico pay for the border wall. He should explain why he racked up so much debt. He should explain why he didn't drain the swamp. Yeah, and maybe someone should explain about why that sound is so. WABC News Time 509. So while those Republicans were on a debate stage in Miami, just a couple miles away in Hialeah, was former President Trump holding a rally last night. If we don't win this election... You're not going to have a country left. I'm telling you, this country's going to hell. It's going to hell. And you know it, and we know it. Trump telling the crowd, if elected, he would put America first. Under Biden, the United States has become the dumping ground of the world. Inmates are being emptied out of their prisons, insane asylums and mental institutions, and they're pouring into the United States. President worried that uh, we're closer than ever to a new world war. We have never been closer to World War Three, and only for one reason, we have incompetent people talking on our behalf. And the president, former president, praising uh, leaders like Russian President Vladimir Putin and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un leads 1.4 billion people 
And there's no doubt about who the boss is. And they want me to say, he's not an intelligent man. They get very personal when I say that because they're fake news. That's why they do that. And the former president uh, doing an interview earlier in the day about his infamous mugshot taken for the election interference charges in Georgia. He uh, here's he was weighing in on what he thought of the actual picture. When I saw it, which was sent to us a few hours later, when I saw the picture, I couldn't believe it. I said, it's actually a decent picture. It's a good picture. It's maybe they were all saying this is. An iconic picture. Yeah, he said he thought it was one of the better pictures taken of them. I was greeted by a sheriff who was really very nice, and he was apologetic for having to do it. Yeah, of course, those pictures now all over posters, bumper stickers, and other items. Ten alleged members of New York's Gambino crime family under arrest, allegedly for trying to dominate the region's carting and demolition industries. The defendants hail from New York City, Long Island, and New Jersey. They include alleged captain of the Gambino family, Joseph Lani, also known as Joe Brooklyn or Mamino. Others named in the indictment include Angelo Gradalone, a.k.a. Fifi, Vincent Mansquero, whose straight name is Vinny Slick, and Francesco Vaccaro, otherwise known as Uncle Chicho. U.S. Attorney Brian Peace alleges the defendants committed violent extortions, assaults, arson, witness retaliation, and other crimes for years. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. WABC News Time 511. A report says the U.S. and Israel discussing a three-day pause in the war against Hamas. The former chief of staff of to Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is skeptical of any ceasefire involving Hamas. we got to win the war. If we keep on pausing and allowing them to replenish, refresh themselves... Each time we give them a day, it's another two weeks to the war. So this is what we're hearing. Qatar involved in the discussions that would allow for more humanitarian aid into Gaza, perhaps the release of some of the hostages, up to 50. That's one of the numbers being thrown around. Qatar reportedly acting as an intermediary. Israel has always held firm that Hamas must free all of the 240 hostages before any kind of ceasefire. Why aren't you releasing the hostages? We're talking about babies we're talking about a six-month-old baby. Yeah, so of course the question is how many of those hostages are alive, what Israel knows, what it doesn't know. More than 80 trucks with humanitarian aid entering Gaza. That brings the total to 650. Again, not enough. National Security Spokesman John Kirby there says the U.S. continuing to work on getting more into Gaza. We're aware of more than 400 Americans and family members who have been able to depart. Yeah, they still say there's maybe 600 Americans still stuck in Gaza today. President Biden opposed to an Israeli military reoccupation of Gaza after the war. You might remember earlier this week Netanyahu hinting that that might be what takes place. Uh, Secretary of State Antony Blinken speaking about this at the meeting of G7 in Japan. No forcible displacement of Palestinians uh, from Gaza. Not now, not after the war. No use of Gaza as a platform for terrorism or other violent attacks. No reoccupation of Gaza after the conflict ends. Yeah, and some of the craziness has led to all kinds of stuff all over the Middle East. As many as 45 U.S. service members may have been injured in recent attacks in Iraq and Syria. NBC News reports that's more than twice as many as the Pentagon had previously disclosed. Bases housing U.S. personnel have been attacked dozens of times since October following the start of the war between Israel and Hamas. The drone and rocket attacks are believed to have been carried out by groups linked to Iran. The military is monitoring about two dozen service members who may have suffered traumatic brain injuries during the attacks.
I'm Mark Mayfield. Lots of protests continue, of course, here in the U.S. over the Israel-Hamas war. The death of a Jewish man after an alleged violent confrontation with a pro-Palestinian protester in California Still under investigation today. They're not exactly sure what took place. Ventura County Sheriff says they're trying to find reliable evidence to figure out why this man died after this protest over the weekend. These witnesses providing conflicting statements about what the altercation and who the aggressor was. 69-year-old Paul Kessler suffered a hand injury during this pro-Israeli, pro-Palestinian demonstrations. They were dueling protests next to each other Sunday afternoon in California. Uh, They're looking for evidence to find out there had been talk that uh, Kessler had had some interaction with a pro-Palestinian protester, and that's what knocked him over to the ground. But they still don't have a lot of evidence just to prove that's the case. Clearly an interaction between the two. But what that level of interaction is, is still unclear. Yeah, and at one point they took someone into custody, but they let them go. I really worry about retaliation, about escalation. Can this group continue to meet on that same corner? Yeah, so uh, they're watching that, of course, closely. And as more details of this investigation come out, we will pass them on to you. All right, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Thursday. Good morning, Justin Allen. Happy Thursday, and good morning to you as well. Noam Laden, we got to start on the hardwood here. Had a perfect night locally, both the Knicks and the Nets pulling out home victories. The Nets beat the visiting L.A. Clippers by a score of 193, while the Knicks handily dismantled Victor Wembanyama and the San Antonio Spurs by a final score of 126 to 105. Our guy Cam Thomas in Brooklyn scored 14 points in the first half for the Nets before leaving the game early in the third uh, period with a sprained left ankle. Lonnie Walker poured in 21 points off the bench, clearly having no trouble filling the void Thomas had left. That 21 from Walker was good for a team high on the night, propelling Brooklyn to the victory. At the Garden, number one draft pick Victor Wembanyama's first game at the famed arena was one of the worst of his young career, unfortunately, as he managed just one basket in the first three quarters of the Knicks' win over his Spurs. The seven foot three Wembanyama, that is really tall, missed his first seven shots and had more air balls than field goals through three quarters when the Knicks led by as much as 30 points. He was in danger of failing to reach double figures for the first time before scoring eight points in the fourth to finish uh, with 14 on four, uh, 14 points, I should say, on four for 14 shooting. Jalen Brunson scored uh, 25 points for the Knicks to lead the contest in scoring, while R.J. Barrett added 24 points and six assists en route to the Knicks' second consecutive victory. On the ice, no action last night, but tonight you've got two local contests to look forward to. In Boston, the Isles get set to face off with the Bruins, while the Rangers will welcome in the Minnesota Wild. Both pucks are scheduled to drop at 7 p.m. tonight. And finally... To the NFL, where Week 10 is set to get underway with the 1-7 Carolina Panthers. Get this game, Gnome. 1-7 Carolina Panthers. They're going to play the 2-7 Chicago Bears. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why would they not flex switch this it game out. and switch it out? Yeah, you know? I don't, maybe there's some legalese that you just can't switch it out, but I usually guess. they do. If it's a good enough game, they'll yeah, pull it. I guess it's tough because these teams prepare for these Thursday night games in a different way. So if you're going to move a Thursday night game, you know it's got to be weeks in advance. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I would assume maybe that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be your Thursday night football game. This I can't week. wait. Yeah, I can't wait. Right? That's going to be. <laughs> just, geez.
bottom feeders. Kickoff is. You know the for, scary uh, part is I watch it anyway, just because yeah. I love football. Yeah, also, and yeah. honestly, these games like this are you know could be uh, could be interesting to watch. Just yeah. two terrible teams going at it. Right. You know, see really who the worst is. It's still football in the end. Exactly. Exactly. We'll watch Buttheads kick off their schedule grade 15 p.m. And the Bears, they head in as a three-point favorite. So that's Sports Gnome, and I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 520. Let's go down to D.C. The White House accusing Republicans of carrying out a smear campaign against President Biden. This comes after House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer issued subpoenas for the president's son, Hunter, and his brother, James Biden. This is an investigation that has been going on for a year now and has turned up zero evidence of wrongdoing by the president uh, because there is none. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre there calling the GOP-led investigation into the family's business dealings baseless. Republicans continue to double down on a baseless a smear campaign against the president and his family. A subpoena also issued for former Hunter Biden business associate Rob Walker. Back here in New York, Ivanka Trump testifying in her father's New York civil fraud trial yesterday about the Trump organization's lines of credit. New York Attorney General Letitia James says Ivanka benefited personally from inflated numbers from her dad's businesses. Miss uh, Trump will do all that she can to try uh, to separate herself from this corporation, but she's inextricably tied to the Trump organization. But the ex-president's daughter said she had no role in preparing her father's financial statements, and those weren't things she was privy to. Her testimony comes after the former president testified earlier this week, repeatedly sparring with the judge as prosecutors pressed him on his financial records. Republicans, meanwhile, want to return to the Trump-era policy of detaining migrant families at the border with Mexico instead of allowing them to live in the U.S. until their court date. Experts say, though, it's not a serious proposal. Over the last two years, ICE has increased its detention of single adults almost double. And in nowhere has that deterred migrants coming to the southwest border. That's former ICE chief of staff Jason Hauser says Congress needs to focus instead on getting illegal immigrants before a judge so they can either be granted asylum or sent packing home. There has never been a causation between increased detention beds and that having a mitigating factor of migrants coming to our southwest border. All studies have shown it does not deter and it traumatizes migrants. It should not be revisited. So there are currently more than four and a half million people on the immigration court docket. In addition to family detention, Republicans want to limit who can claim asylum at the border. That is the head of Homeland Security addressing worries about a significant rise in the number of people caught at the southern border who are on the FBI. FBI's terror watch list. We make a determination that it would not be safe to the American people that they be released into the United States. We detain them. Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas speaking before a Senate committee yesterday where he was asked about the nearly 170 migrants whose names appear on that list. Individuals who pose a threat to our national security are an enforcement priority for us. uh, Mayorkas asking for more money to handle a flow of illegal immigration. Amnesty hearings are currently being set for at least four years in the future. 
not too far away in Houston, a huge blast at a chemical plant yesterday. A worker there in the hospital. We do have one employee that got hurt. Um, he's being treated for minor burns. Jeff Harfield is owner of Resource Solutions. The petroleum processing plant it caught fire in this tiny town of Shepherd near Houston. The explosion just rocked the area. We have preliminary investigations done on what initially happened, but we want to verify everything. The last thing we need is a bunch of misinformation. Yes, yeah, so, so far they're not really sure what's uh, ignited the explosion. Hazardous materials, yes, but it's the type of material you probably have under your kitchen sink. So this huge plume of black smoke could be seen for miles. Thankfully, just one worker heard. A North Carolina-based company working on a vaccine now aimed at reducing deadly overdoses. Cessation Therapeutics says its monoclonal antibody therapy can block the dangerous effects of fentanyl and help people to wean off opioids. The company's also working on an injectable treatment. WRAL News says the research is backed by millions of dollars in federal grants. Clinical trials are underway and will likely continue into next spring. In Raleigh. I'm Lisa Taylor. Apparently, it's a tough time to be a postal worker on the street. U.S. postal employees uh, say they are being attacked in ways on the streets like they never have been for. Uh, sometimes for that key that opens those transfer boxes where they sometimes hide those bags of mail. Other times, they're just trying to get the mail that's in the pouch that they're delivering to people. Uh, mail workers talking about having guns pointed at their heads as they're on the route. All I do is turn to the left for two seconds and to get my mail get ready and I heard a noise and next thing I know I looked up and there was a gun it was touching my head yeah, so armed robberies of postal workers are up 30% every year since 2020. And over 2,000 letter carriers say they have been victims, not all of them facing guns, but all of them in facing muggings and attacks for keys to those boxes and for letters that they're carrying around. I never think it happened to me, and I, I, I couldn't breathe when I think about it. Yeah, so they're asking the Fed, the federal government, for better protection. I'm not sure what that would mean, but they say, you know, they're out there in the elements every single day delivering mail they deserve more those vending machines that uh, give you fentanyl testing strips and that spray that wakes up someone that's a sleeping drug addict are now uh, all over the country so you can go up to these vending machines they're free um, and they'll you push a button just like you did on the old school vending machine and naloxone or fentanyl testing strips will come out in oklahoma they are spreading these out uh, at um uh, turnpike service plazas across Oklahoma. And apparently this is big. People are using these things in a big way, uh, you know, grabbing these items because, well, either they're addicted to drugs or they know someone that is. This is making a huge difference. In fact, it has blown everything else out of the water in terms of getting naloxone out to citizens. Yeah, so drug overdose is now the leading cause of death in the U.S. for people under the age of 50. That's why this has become so big. Now, on a month-to-month basis, over 50% of the distribution is coming through these vending machines at the Turnpike locations. So this is making a world of difference for our citizens. Yeah, any way they can save young Americans, obviously, first to get them off drugs, but while they're doing that, giving them these uh, this equipment to wake up a sleeping drug addict who's uh, dosed out on heroin or fentanyl strips is probably helping out. Uh, the pandas are gone from the zoo in Washington. They've been there since 
1972, they were a gift of the Chinese government. Patricia Nixon, uh, Pat Nixon's wife, had, uh, during a visit to China in 72, said she loved the pandas. And so they sent two back here. And uh, now they've asked for all these pandas back. And so they were shipped back over the last 48 hours. Everybody rushing to the zoo to get one last glimpse before they were sent back to China. They just look cuddly. And um, we just watched this little guy climb up into a tree. I had planned on bringing her here. She's talked about how much she loved the Smithsonian Zoo and getting to see the pandas. Yeah, so you're asking, why are the pandas going back home? China's asked for them. And uh, some of it is just, uh, you know, the cold diplomacy between the U.S. and China right now. The zookeepers who've watched uh, these pandas for years, you can imagine they're devastated. Generally, the bears sleep for most of the flight. So that is what we are anticipating. But pandas have to eat for 16 hours a day. Yeah, so they took a 19-hour flight back to China, bamboo aboard so they could have something to eat. Those zookeepers on board to make sure that they were okay. But they say uh, it's like leaving a child behind. We spent so much time with the pandas, uh, holidays, and, you know, every day we're here. And so it's it's a little bit heartbreaking to not have them here. Yeah, no doubt. The opening bell, it rings this morning after markets close mixed to end Wednesday session. At the closing bell, the Dow lost 40 points. S&P 500 gained four nasdaq rose by 10 points warner brothers discovery was one of the day's biggest losers shedding more than 19 percent wabc it's the 77 wabc news hour talking the news with noah laden all the news you need to know with joe nolan traffic justin ellick sports and now talking the news with noah on 77 wabc yeah that's me good morning it is thursday november 9th your forecast from the ramsey mazda weather center clouds this morning sunshine this afternoon high 62 tonight and overnight partly cloudy low 49 and the friday clouds most of the day high 54 if you're walking out the door with us right now 35 and partly cloudy in suffering up in rockland county 42 and partly cloudy in newark down in new jersey and it is 45 a few clouds here in midtown we'll start this half hour right here in the city where mayor adams holding a press conference yesterday where He spoke at length about last week's FBI raid at the Brooklyn home of his top campaign fundraiser, prompting him to cancel migrant meetings in Washington. So this raid took place. Uh, The mayor was on his way or had landed in D.C. for these meetings at the White House about the migrants, Uh, apparently heard about this scandal, got back on the plane and flew back here. It seemed awfully odd. Uh, So here he was talking about it yesterday. I had a 25-year-old staffer. So he's talking about the staffer whose home was raided, Brianna Suggs in Brooklyn. That I saw grow up as a intern that had a traumatizing experience in her life. There was a professional part of maintaining, uh, you know, my staff and my city. But I think sometimes we miss the fact that there's a human part to life. Okay, so that sounds uh, somewhat reasonable. So he flew back and um, you would think that would be that he'd meet with her, talk to her. As a human being, I was concerned about a young 25-year-old staffer that went through a traumatic experience. And although I'm mayor, I have not stopped being a man. 
and a human. All right. So he says he flies back. So because he's concerned about this staffer who's involved in this probe of his uh, campaign, uh, the probe involves uh, allegedly Turkey, the country of Turkey, funneling money through a construction company in Brooklyn to the mayor's campaign. Um, so he flies back and you think, OK, uh, well, I guess he met with Brianna Suggs. Well, he says, no. He didn't meet with her. And did you talk to her on the phone? No, he didn't talk to her on the phone. So why did you fly back from Washington? And we couldn't really get an answer from him. The I did not speak with uh, Brianna the day of the incident because I didn't want to give any uh, appearance of interference. OK, so we asked the question, well, why did you fly back then? Uh, and I wanted to be clear on that. And I was notified by campaign uh, teams that reached out to me and, and notified me. Uh, the uh, details of my interaction with the council of of the campaign, the Co- compliance council, uh, while this is a an ongoing inquiry. Yeah. So okay, he's hired a lawyer now. Uh, the probe so far, you know, no connection to him, but of course to his campaign. Uh, the mayor has made a number of trips to Turkey. He did so while he was Brooklyn Borough President, and um, he says he doesn't think there's any wrongdoing here. I would be shocked if someone states that our campaign coordinated in illegal behavior. Now, it may not go back to the mayor, but again, strange, could not get a firm answer from him. He said that he had come back to uh, because he was worried about 25-year-old Brianna Suggs, the chief campaign person, campaign fundraiser, and um, was concerned about her because of this FBI raid. But then he got back here from this canceled meeting in Washington, D.C., about the migrants at the White House, and then never spoke to her either over the phone or in person. All right. WABC News Time 538. Let's go out to New Jersey, Helmeta, Helmeta, New Jersey, where they continue to search for a man who has some connection to the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. His name, Gregory Yetman. A crew of uh, law enforcement showed up at his house yesterday searching for him. Uh, he apparently ran out of the house and into the woods. They haven't been able to find him. Here's the Helmetta's mayor. Law enforcement did share that they feel that, you know, the resident is not out to harm any of the residents. So authorities have yet to say what charges Yetman is facing, but that he was labeled as an AFO for an assault on a federal officer. The FBI, Jamesburg police tried to arrest Yetman yesterday morning, but they say he ran into the woods. A command post was set up at the community center in Helmetta. Uh, the town remains on high alert. Uh, they actually use flashbang grenades as part of this search. Uh, but they continue to say, and the mayor here, that he does not pose a danger to anybody else in the community. But there's a lot of law enforcement in the town. They are determined after a recent uh, briefing with the FBI to attain this gentleman today. That is their effort. Um, and I just want to reassure the community that we have your safety paramount. The FBI uh, telling us that they brought in numerous resources to assist in the search for Yetman. Again, saying that he is no danger to anybody else in the community. But as of 540 this morning, uh, they have not been able to find him. Uh, while we're in New Jersey, a college freshman from the Garden State critically injured in a shooting in Nashville, Tennessee. 18-year-old 
Jillian Ludwig was walking on the track near her college when she was hit in the head by a stray bullet. She's from Wall Township. She is in extremely critical condition at Vanderbilt Medical Center this morning. A vigil held for her in her hometown last night. Absolutely senseless and, and random and there's just no rhyme or reason. She shined through her you know, my mother. Uh, loved going to her uh, concert. She was... Uh, in two bands at the Lake House Music Academy in Asbury Park, and uh, her mother was always there. Uh. Cops say the gunfire came from a public housing unit across the street. They have a gunman in custody. He was apparently shooting at a car and missed, and the bullet hit her. It may have been an hour before anyone knew she had been hit by a bullet and before anybody responded. She is a student at Belmont University. And uh, yesterday, the mayor of Nashville went to Belmont University to talk to the students on campus. This is a time of immense grief. This is a time where it is hard to feel safe. And I hope that we as a city and that you all as a campus community can still find compassion in your hearts for one another. Yeah, well-known musician in playing at places in Asbury Park. She's a business, a music business major, a bass player who loves running. That's apparently why she was out on the track uh, there in Nashville on Tuesday. 542, let's go out to Long Island. We're seeing more and more of these really violent smash and grab robberies of jewelry stores. And they're always broad daylight. And these guys always seem to get away. Latest one at Macy's at the Roosevelt Field Mall on Long Island. This was about noon yesterday. It was one individual comes in with a hammer, smashes open the jewelry chest and just grabs whatever he can. Uh, some people heard it and watched this guy as he ran away. I definitely think they need to have a little bit more security. I'm just so used to it because I've been in the mall for 10 years. How much stuff have you seen in those 10 years? Yeah, so apparently this has happened at the mall before. The last time was a smash and grab at the very same Macy's. That was back in August. Not clear what this guy got away with, but my guess is he aimed for a case that had the most valuable items at Macy's. Well, I guess they got to beef up security if they know it's a recurring uh, event. Having more security would definitely be a benefit around the holidays. Yeah, sounds like it. A spokesperson for the mall's operator at uh, Simon Property, they own a bunch of malls across the country, say they have a commitment to security, and measures include 24-7 train security, but they unfortunately did not catch up with this guy involved in the smash and grab. Up to uh, Westchester at 543. After months of speculation, Westchester County Executive George Latimer has reportedly decided to run in a Democratic primary against Congressman Jamal Bowman. Bowman currently represents New York's 16th Congressional District, which encompasses parts of Westchester and the Bronx. Latimer expected to make his official announcement in the next few weeks, but apparently is already fundraising or reaching out to potential uh, fundraisers as he gets ready for a run. Uh, Let's bring it back here into the city. Cops searching for just this downright creep who's punching women on trains and subway platforms and then just taking off. The latest attack uh, took place on last Friday. Walked up to a 53-year-old woman 
who is just getting off a two train at the Flatbush Avenue station. He punched her really hard in the face and then just took off. All of these attacks, police believe, were just completely and totally random. In other words, no communication with his victim before he punches them. Now, you might guess uh, riders really worried about this guy striking again. Even if crime is going down, I feel like subway crimes are getting worse. I'm not surprised at anything that happens anymore. Things like that happen in broad daylight. It'll happen a block away from cops, too. And what police are telling us is they're going through surveillance video from a number of stations where these attacks took place to try to figure out who this attacker is. They may know who it is already as they try to find him. But so far, he is still on the loose. A Queens woman recovering from a stroke that she says um, she was attacked after the stroke. Maybe I should make this story make a whole lot more sense. A woman who had a stroke. There we go. She was using Accessoride. That's the free service or relatively free service that can get you around the city. And um, she says uh, she was in one of these cars uh, on the way to a doctor's appointment. And the driver made a turn that didn't make sense to her because she knows her way around. And so she said something to him. She said, I think you've made a turn that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. He was turning prematurely. I said, no, no, because I seen all the cars. He said, shut up, shut up. So I said, you shut up. And then I said, no, I got something for you. I'm not going to argue with you. Yes, so uh, she uh, out to get out of the car where she's dropped off at the doctor's appointment. And this guy was angry that he she had called Accessoride to complain about him. So he started stomping her, punching her. Well, here she describes it. And when I hit the floor, I'm like, what? I'm like, Mr. Please, I had two strokes. I, I got fear of my life because I, I can't defend myself. Couldn't do nothing. And I'm like, I had a stroke, Mr. Please, please. I thought he was going to get his boot. All I see in my mind every night is that boot. That boot, that boot is a bad memory for me. Yeah, that boot unfortunately did a lot of damage. She has bruises to show all over her leg. And uh, this again after she's recovering from a stroke. Uh, the MTA telling us that the driver in question there has been suspended from accessoride pending an investigation. The NYPD, we've been told, also now involved in this case. All right, 546, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Alec. Thank you, Noam Layden. Starting on the hardwood here. Had a perfect night locally with both the Knicks and Nets pulling out home victories. The Nets beat the visiting L.A. Clippers by a score of 193, while the Knicks handily dismantled Victor Wembanyama and the San Antonio Spurs by a final score of 126 to 105. Our guy Cam Thomas in Brooklyn scored 14 points in the first half. For the Nets, before leaving the game early in the third uh, quarter with a sprained left ankle, Lonnie Walker poured in 21 points off the bench, clearly having no trouble filling the void that Thomas had left. That 21 from Walker was good for a team high on the night, propelling Brooklyn to the victory. At the Garden, number one draft pick Victor Wembanyama's first game at the famed arena was one of the worst of his young career as he managed just one basket in the first three quarters of the Knicks' win over his Spurs. The 7'3", Wembanyama missed his first seven shots and had more air balls and field goals through three quarters when the Knicks led by as much as 30 points. He was in danger of failing to reach double figures for the first time before scoring eight points in the fourth to finish with a 14 on four for 14 shooting. Jalen Brunson scored 25 points for the Knicks to lead the contest in scoring while R.J. Barrett added 24 points and, and uh, six assists and route to New York's second consecutive victory. On the ice, no action last night, but tonight you've got two local contests to look forward to in Boston. 
the Isles get set to face off with the Bruins, while the Rangers will welcome in the Minnesota Wild. Both pucks are scheduled to drop at 7 p.m. tonight. And finally, to the NFL, where Week 10 is set to get underway with a great matchup here. The 1-7 Carolina Panthers paying the 2-7 Chicago Bears a visit on Thursday night. Football kickoff is scheduled for 8.15 p.m. And the Bears head in as three-point favorites. That's Sports Gnome, and I'm Justin Ellick. All right, let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. One of the bigger <clears throat> ones in the overnight, the SAG after a strike. It's over now after negotiations for the union approved a preliminary agreement. Nobody's happier than my friend Sid, who can go to work now on two movie sets, he tells me. We'll uh, the agreement made with the studio sets last night. The deal marks the end to Hollywood's longest ever actor strike, a stoppage that began early July over issues ranging from residual payments to use of artificial intelligence. This is not only going to be a very important deal for sag after and its 160,000 members of over a three-year contract, this is potentially going to be a generation changer for the way things are done in Hollywood. When you take what the WGA got back in September and now what SAG got, they've transformed the landscape. That's a reporter from the website Deadline. Studios had recently warned that the union, that the deadline was quickly approaching to try and salvage at least part of the current production season. Otherwise, it would just be gone because the strike's gone on so long. So it looks like this deal will be in place. Uh, they still have to vote on it, the members, that is. We don't know all the details yet. We're going to know that on Friday when the board votes on it. But right now, I can tell you all we're hearing is happy, happy sounds and champagne corks popping all over Hollywood. It was about last night that we got a email from the SAG after president, because we're all members of SAG after, I say, from Frank Drescher, posting a congratulatory message to members after the deal broke. Contract negotiations centered on a number of difficult and evolving issues. Residual payments for actors on television, for example, they had shrunk in recent years with the rising popularity of streaming services. Apparently, they've worked that out. AI as well. Last night, there was a premiere of the movie Wish out in Hollywood. Now, actors have been told not to attend any of these things during the strike, but the producers and the um, directors were there last night, and they were pretty happy that it sounds like this, this strike is over. For the greater community, for all of the industry, I, um, I'm really happy that we're here. I know everyone worked really hard to get here. We want both sides to be happy with the, with the resolution, and it sounds like tonight they took a step forward, so we're, we're uh, optimistic. Yeah, so finally we will get some new TV, some new movies. Details of, in terms of the deal not going to be released until a meeting on Friday. Uh, the board members, I guess, taking a day to review this contract one more time, the SAG after board members, I should say. I think uh, Leo is in that movie, Wish. Leo. DiCaprio. Oh, yes, he, I think you're right about yeah, that. Yeah, I've seen some billboards on the BQE and other spots. Big deal, folks. Movies, TV, like Noam is saying, we're all getting back to work. Thank God. Enough of watching I Love Lucy reruns. The uh, GOP presidential hopefuls weighing in last night. Uh, it was the third debate, uh, minus Donald Trump again. Um, it was in Miami. Here they are talking about uh, the Israel-Hamas war. Here's Governor Ron DeSantis. I'm sick of hearing other people blame Israel just for defending itself. We will stand with Israel in word and in deed, in public and in private. Entrepreneur uh, Vivek Ramaswamy says anti-Semitism on college campus has him bothered. Anti-Semitism is a symptom 
of a deeper cancer in a country in a society that is lost and we are lost there was this big debate uh, has there hasn't been i think at all three debates about tiktok and uh, how it's polluting our minds i have to tell you i'm a huge fan of tiktok but my mind has long gone been polluted so i guess i'm a lost cause but they're talking about the young minds of americans when you saw what happened in the last few weeks with all of this anti-semitic horrible stuff that their algorithms were pushing out at a gargantuan rate yeah somehow that didn't fall into my algorithm and you would think israel would be part of mine but uh there was no big moment except this sort of big one, a visibly enraged Nikki Haley going after Ramaswamy, calling him scum as they were talking about TikTok. Um, And it all had to do with the fact that Ramaswamy brought up Nikki Haley's daughter. So here you can hear what it sounds like. I want to laugh at why Nikki Haley didn't answer your question, which is about looking at families in the eye. In the last debate, she made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your voice. The next generation of Americans are using it. And that's actually the point. You have her supporters propping her up. That's fine. You're just the easy scum. answer is... Yeah, it's sort of surprising that he would bring up her daughter. Uh, there you heard her call him scum. And then uh, not too far away in Hialeah, former President Donald Trump was holding a rally, uh, doing his own thing, not doing the debate thing. If we don't win this election, you're not going to have a country left. I'm telling you, this country's going to hell. It's going to hell. And you know it, and we know it telling the audience there last night that uh, he would put America first. Under Biden, the United States has become the dumping ground of the world. Inmates are being emptied out of their prisons, insane asylums and mental institutions, and they're pouring into the United States. Yeah, he had a big crowd there last night. Some, uh, let's bring it back here into the city. Some heart-stopping video captured... What was a really frightening moment when a man fell onto the subway tracks in Queens over the weekend. Fortunately for him, two NYPD cops nearby willing and able to turn into heroes to save this man's life. This happened. This was Saturday uh, evening at the 90th Street and Roosevelt Avenue stations. Officer Jonathan Vale and David Canardi. Uh, who are just two years out of the police academy, happened to see that this man fell onto the off the platform and onto the tracks. And they raced over to help him, knowing, by the way, that a seven train was about a minute away from rolling into the station. We noticed that a male was walking a little bit too close to the edge, and then all of a sudden he just fell onto the tracks. I signaled the train for the train to stop. I'm not sure if he saw me. If he didn't. We had less than a minute to get him out. And they did have less than a minute. So one of the officers jumped onto the track. The other one was waving a flash at anything he could do to get the subway uh, engineer's attention before it pulled into the station. With the help of a good Samaritan, they were able to pull this guy uh, off the tracks. I mean, he was totally knocked out. I hopped on there, tried to get any sort of response from him. And thankfully, another bystander, a good Samaritan, hopped down with me to hoist this guy up to my, my, uh, my partner, Officer Cunarte, and we were able to get him on the platform but and if you watch this police cam video they get him on the tracks and then seconds later that train barrels in the man uh, a 23 year old bronx resident it's not really clear what happened why he fell onto the tracks but he was knocked out so he was no help getting himself back onto the platform and he was a big dude and uh well the police uh, say that thank god they were strong enough to get him off the tracks. He was, he was a big guy, but, you know, with enough push-ups from the academy, you, can, you were able to hoist him up. <laughs> there you go. The only thing going through my head right at that point was to get this guy to safety. That was my only goal right there, you know. 
I just wanted to get this guy back to his family because at the end of the day, he's a brother, he's a cousin, he's a friend. Yeah, you're right about that. Great job done by both of those officers.